it opened doors for me to find a way to have a life in sports, to work in sports, and it brought me most of the uh, best friends I've ever had. Welcome to episode 219 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. If you've been to a baseball game in Western Canada over the last 15 or 20 years, especially in Oak Tokes, you've probably seen Jonathan Hodgson around. Growing up in Calgary, he remembers going to Cannons games, then being gutted when they left in 2002. He immediately attached himself to the new Western Major Baseball League team, the Calgary Dogs, and in his wheelchair, followed them to Oak Tokes, where he transitioned from fan to broadcaster, writer, and media relations guru for a few years. Hodgson's journey in baseball has also included working with the Canadian Baseball Network, the Toronto Blue Jays, and Victoria Harbor Cats. However, home is still at Siemens Stadium with the Dogs. We sat down recently for a candid conversation about his love of the game, the amazing connections he's made along the way, and the special sense of belonging he's received being in the baseball community. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Take us back to the very beginning. When and how did you fall in love with the game of baseball? Um, the first baseball memory I have um, is probably a live baseball memory I have is probably, I couldn't give you the exact year, but it was probably 1999-ish. Um, Calgary Cannons, Burns Stadium, little kid, seven or eight years old. Um um that was my first part my first my first team um and didn't really grow up in a sports family but at the time i remember that my brother three years older than me um said that he liked football and i wanted to be the difficult little brother so i just blurted out that i like baseball and Parents start taking me to the to the Cannons games for their, their last four or five years that they were around, and uh, that put the bug in me. When did it kind of turn from I'm just being a, a dorky little brother to okay, I actually like this game. This is kind of cool. Walk us through that transition. Uh, looking back on it with hindsight being 2020. Um. Yeah, there's interesting question. I haven't really done a whole lot of reflection on this stuff, but um, you know, I remember you know went to a handful of Canners games for a few years, and I just remember I went to the last Canons game, and with the the person playing this sad saxophone on the way out the on the way out and. The, the cannon going off a bunch of times on the way out. It's such a sad scene. And ten or eleven year old me gets home into my room and and starts crying. Mm-hmm. I thought my baseball life was over, and so I guess that was a that was a realization that oh man, I I am attached to this, and I um, you know I. In that moment, little kid me thought it was over, uh, but it was kind of, I had a little bit of a connection without knowing it. Um, there was a, there was um, somebody who had uh, had some following and some involvement with uh, with the early days dogs program, um, who was, was uh, happened to be at one of the Cannons games I was at. I met him before the game and he gave me a baseball and um, yeah, in 2003, the year after the Cannons left, the dogs came in and used used Burns Stadium, Foothill Stadium for the first of their three years there and I remember going to dogs games not knowing that it was any different. It it was just baseball and um, you know, you might have questions on this, but they invited me down in the dugout, and you know, the year after I was there watching Cannons games, I'm sitting in the dugout with the dogs, thinking they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a while 
took me a while to get serious, but that was the little kid version of, you know, okay, now I, I have a serious passion for this. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about, I, I was reading a couple of articles about you, and, and I think if if the stories are true, your mom bought uh, season tickets for the dogs, which ended up getting you that into that into the door kind of thing. You bought the first jersey. You, you did all the like. You've got the first attached to a lot of the dogs things. Talk a little bit about that that fandom piece and and really kind of learning to appreciate the level of ball that you were seeing right before your eyes. We um. <laughs> We got season tickets right away. I got my jersey and the same shipment that Diggity's jersey came in, the mascot jersey. <laughs> and uh, they gave it to me personally. Um, I think it was at that point where they realized that I was going to be a problem, a, a problem they weren't going to get rid of. <laughs> um, but you know what? It was. Um, Man, it was cool. Um, I sat in the dugout for all the home games in in Calgary in those first three years, and I was just one of the guys. And it was, you know, my background. You know, I I never had a never had a chance to play. I use a wheelchair, and that's that's kind of a, you know, that that's something I don't you know, bring up right away, but it's part of my story. And, you know, we've known each other for a long time, so I'm, I'm comfortable, you know, making it part of, acknowledging it as part of the story. Um, that was an experience I'd never had before. Um, being one of the guys, being a teammate. And it was crazy because I was 11, 12, 13 years old. And, being treated like a teammate by college athletes, and a lot of them, even in those early years, we had you now we had Jim Henderson, Emerson Frostad, uh, Matter Candia. Um, we had some dudes, mm-hmm. and, and so it was it was it was you know some of the funnest times of my life. And then I start, mom and I start taking some some road trips. I know that. Uh, the one year in Calgary, there's a playoff series against Swift Current, and um, the year there was there's an elimination game in Swift, and I was upset that I was going to miss the end of the year, and Mom offers to to pack up the van and go to Swift for a couple of days, and so that was my first my first road game was uh, was Mitchell Field and Swift Current, and I think. I think Joe Carnahan was on the mound that night. Um, went on to be a very successful coach first with current. Uh, won. He was there as a player and later as a coach. Won a bunch of championships with them. We played him in the playoffs all the time. And, uh, in later years, when I got older, um, when I would be broadcasting almost every game, um, I would set up my broadcast table, uh, literally touching the backstop on just on the the close corner of the dog's first base dugout, and Joe would write a lineup card out for the press box, and then he would write one out for me, and he would just come over and slide it through the mesh. And there were times when he would change pitchers, he would just walk over and and look at me and. Tell me, tell me who his changes were, and we we would sit chat for three thirty <laughs> seconds. So, um, yeah, and there there's a million of those mm-hmm. uh, people that I looked way up to, who opened all the doors for me, who went on to be really good friends. Well, and that's the cool part. You segued really well into my next question, which was about the broadcast side of things. You end up going from fan to getting in behind the scenes to, okay, I'm going to do broadcasting and media relations for this little upstart college ball team out of Okotoks, now out of Okotoks. What did that experience teach you about yourself, maybe, about um, the the life and times of a college baseball team or player or program and and just the, the overall essence of, of being able to be a part of, of 
that experience? Yeah, that started. Um, I started calling games in the 2008 season. Uh, we opened, the dogs opened uh, Siemens Stadium at Okotoks in 2007. And we went from Calgary, we we're playing in the big city in the big ballpark. And it was just one of a thousand things to do in the city. So it wasn't that big. And then we moved to Okotoks, you know, trying to build an, a nice place to play to keep the program going. And we stumble into this really impressive fan base in this smaller town. And suddenly there was a, I think the organization realized there's a need to, to you know, improve the broadcast side and the, the, the public side of things. Um, and it, timed out perfectly for me uh, because I was getting into high school and the sitting in the dugout living the ball player life thing was kind of running its course. It was it was time to start getting a little more responsible and thinking long term. And so the winter after the 07 season, um, I, I hope I'm not remembering this wrong, but it I think I think it was I think it was John Arcandia um, who mentioned to me that well we need we we really need a broadcaster next season. What do you think? And I was open minded, but I was really nervous about giving up ball player life because how much I loved it and appreciated it. Kind of like I for the reasons I told you before, but I knew it was something that I had to try. So Having never thought about it before, it was okay. I'll try it, but you know, can I have? Can I do interviews with the coaches? Can I have pitchers come up with me, and and be my color guys when they're not pitching? Like it was, mm -hmm. it was the kind of dynamic that you would only get um, with an organization that you know that kind of sort of raised me mm -hmm. um, and, and summer ball, you can do things like that. Um, so yeah, those, those first few years, I remember on my, my first game, um, super nervous, probably wasn't that good. Probably that whole first year, probably wasn't that good, <laughs> but it quickly went from being nervous to, Oh, okay. I like this. This is, this is what is going to keep me in the game long term going forward. Um, and, you know, there was a few things and it. It probably, probably goes to some of the, some of the, the really cool people um, that the dogs um, are responsible for connecting me with. Um, I met um, I met Jerry Howard, a long term, uh, long time radio play by play voice. The Blue Jays worked with Tom, Tom Cheek and then took over for Tom Cheek. Um, was there for both World Series, um, revered by a lot of Blue Jays fans. Um, he's just a friend of mine, mm -hmm. and I met him through. He was speaking one winter at the Dogs Banquet. And I remember telling him, um, you know, how nervous I was on day one. And he's kind of like, John, you're sitting in a room by yourself. You might even have a door. If you mess up, what's going to happen to you? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. And that just kind of freed me up to, you know, not be scared of the mistakes and, and, had a lot more fun with it and made me better. Um, but it, it, like your question was, was kind of a sort of about finding my place. And I think, think that, you know, the one biggest moment that I can remember was working with, uh, with Bob Elliott on, uh, on the written side. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he, a similar time frame, around 16, 17 years old, uh, Bob invited me to join the team at the Canadian Baseball Network writing uh, about Canadian baseball. Um, and I was, you know, I wasn't very confident and, you know, I was kind of, you know, how I'm, I might have been looking at players and I might see their baseball card when I look at a player. That's kind of how I was looking at Bob for a while because mm-hmm. I, I knew he, he was Hall of Fame caliber journalist. Um, but he, he put it, you know, I, I don't want to say put his armor around me because he pushed me. Mm-hmm. He pushed me to be better. And there was, you know, it was always, you know, in 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 a loving way, but it was, you belong here, and I want to get the best out of you. I want you to find the best in, you know, that you have to give. And um, there's been many, many things after that, but that was a formative moment that, my goodness, I, my first broadcast job is with 4,000 people under me at Siemens Stadium. Mm-hmm. My first two years, I get to call championship moments. I'm friends with Jerry Howard. I have Bob Elliott pushing me to be a better be a better journalist and giving me opportunities. Uh, that It was a start that you know, I could have never could have never asked for um but yeah there's a lot of opportunities early on and a lot of good people that and i mean john or candy is up at um you know at the top of that list too is he's you know he's he's the boss he's responsible for everything (laughs) um so yeah it was just that looking around at the people that i was around um Telling me that I belonged, and you know, slowly as I got older, I started to believe that and realized it myself. How surreal when you think back on it is it that you know you mentioned the names like Jerry Howarth, you mentioned names like Bob Elliott. I mean, these are these are guys who are institutions in Canada, and here they are. You know, you, I look over your shoulder, and there's a picture. I think it's the one with you and Jerry, for example. Like there's. They're they're clearly not just you know working relationships. They're clearly friendships. How surreal is it to be in your shoes and and being able to to really enjoy that aspect of those two and and way more relationships that you've built through the game. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it it took me a while. It took me until I started to get older to really get comfortable as friends um because when i was younger they were you know they were more mentors and i gave them a ton of respect and i i still do i still do um but you know i i you know as it's gone on i i i regard them more as friends Mm -hmm. um and you know they've done They've done a lot and done tons for my skill set and things I've been able to do and, you know, the pro I've become. Um, but I remember like a Jerry, a Jerry moment was when I was, I don't know, college age. I was, you know, young and ambitious and putting lots of, lots of pressure on myself to, um, you know, to go places fast and, and climb the ladder. And remember, I, I I went to a few Blue Jays games one year, and I think there's a picture of that day um, out there somewhere of uh, him and I sitting on the field, Jerry sitting on the stool, you know, eye contact. Um, and... Uh, says, John, I just want you to, you know, when you get to the field every day, just just be thankful for what you're doing that day. And I think I think that day I I was doing I was doing some MLB.com uh, pieces 
that week when I was in Toronto. And it just says, oh, today I, just, I want you to be thankful that you have an interview with Devin Travis today. And it was, it was, it was, you know, something small like that to just, you know, be thankful for, you know, for what you're doing today, for the opportunities you have today and not, you know, not worry too much about the future. Um, that was, that, that was a really cool moment. Um, and a couple of, it was, and more recently, it was during COVID, um, I was hosting a, an online kind of video podcast type show for a couple of years during COVID. Um, and I got up the nerve to ask Jerry if he would do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, like it's, he's all in. Um, and it was right after he had released his book and he signed me a copy of his book and stuff. And so I, I had read it, I read it twice through before mm-hmm. our interview, just because I felt like I needed to be researched and know everything, even though I've, I've known the guy for 15 years. Um, and you know, I, I'd have to go back and watch it again to remember the specifics. But I remember, um, you know, during breaks, during the two or three minute breaks, Jerry would, uh, even all these years later, he'd be, John, that was a good question. Good job. John, work on this. John, <laughs> net, like, in the breaks, like, like we're, we're friends, but still, he's, 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 at the same time, he's encouraging me and he's coaching me, mm-hmm. like as we're as we're doing something together. And I, I think I asked him for half an hour that day, and he went for, you know, an hour and fifteen minutes or mm-hmm. something. So it was, yeah, I could go forever about those two. I can only imagine. One of the things that has really impressed me about what, like you and as you mentioned, you and I have have known each other mutually for quite a few years now, and. It's it's what's been funny to me is watching your progression and and watching the different things you've been able to get yourself involved in, whether it's the dogs and the different layers you've been involved there. You mentioned MLB, you mentioned different things. You've gone on to Victoria for a little bit. You've also we've kind of adopted you as the WCBL historian on Twitter because you seem to know everything about anybody who's played in the league and you're you're our go-to resource for uh hey did this guy play in our league or what what year was he a part of because baseball reference doesn't have it back to 2013 or 2010 or whatever the case may be what is it about the wcbl formerly the wimble that had you interested from the get one and then two continues to harbor your interest going forward yeah well and by the way I feel like I should probably have a swear jar here and put a, <laughs> you know, put a coin in the swear jar every time I call out the wimble. <laughs> the era, the era, the era I, I came up in the wimble, the WMBL before I made the name change, and mm. it was a fun, fun way of referring to it. But um, no, that um, the reason of of you know. Probably the reason I've gotten so gotten so concentrated on um, keeping track of the players that have gone through the league and gone on to do things is uh, kind of that connection of having more perspective now and not losing sight um, of what we were talking about at the start of the show. How much you know the first and foremost the dogs program how much they've done for me, but by extension, the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I'm never going to lose, you know, an appreciation for that. And as you mentioned, as, as time has gone on, my skills have grown in a lot of different areas uh, and I've had more experiences and I, I like to think I've become a better baseball person. Um, and so it's just marrying the, the skills um, that I've that I've grown into uh, with my passion for uh, the people in that league um, and I know that uh, in the summer college summer baseball 
industry, um, you know, um, alumni, you know, alumni is a big deal. You know, having players that have gone through your program uh, to play for Team Canada, to play, you know, to make the major leagues, um, and it is a big deal. Um, so it's, I think, it, it's fun for me, um, but it, for me, it, it's, you know, I, I see the value in it, um, and like, you know, when I was when I was when I was younger, um, everything was about the Daleks. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I can say this now because it's not the case anymore. I remember hating Swift Current because we lost a playoff series to them. I remember, I remember hating Medicine Hat because they seemed to beat us for for a couple of years in a row there. Mm -hmm. um, but now having the perspective that everybody being strong is good for everybody and i genuinely want to see and it's awesome to see the direction the league's going in in recent years uh you get me on it at a great time just on the on the heels uh before we recorded this uh just we're just uh we're just past uh, saskatoon getting back in the league um but yeah, it's 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 knowing that um, everybody being strong is good for everybody. So I want to see everybody be the best they can be. And I love a lot of people in different places. I talked about Swift Current, uh, Sylvan Lake, Jason Chatwood uh, befriended me when I was a kid in uniform and he was the star shortstop for Saskatoon mm -hmm. for the Yellow Jackets back in the day. So I don't forget about that. Um, so yeah, it's just about wanting to see everybody be the best they can be. Um, and at 7.05 on game night, I hope the dogs go 56-0 and win, win, you know, and go undefeated in the playoffs. Uh, that part will never change. Mm -hmm. Not to put you on the spot, you've alluded to it already, but looking at where the league has come since you first were introduced to it, what would you say has been maybe the biggest change or the most impressive change that you've seen as the, the WMBL has morphed into the WCBL that we see today? There's a lot. There's a lot, man. It's, <laughs> um, you know, it, when I started, it was, it was transitioning from from kind of being a men's league uh, to kind of a hybrid, hybrid college league to, I think it was the 2010 season it dedicated to being a fully fledged uh, summer collegiate league. And that was a huge step. Um, but I mean, the amount of drafted players, uh, team Canada players, junior national team guys that come up, uh, we're seeing major league players uh, more frequently. The on-field talent um, has has come a long way, and like the early days, like I said, still had um, still had some studs that came through, um, but now it's more frequent, and the depth of rosters um, is a lot better, and the 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 programs that a lot of the teams are are drawing from in recruiting are amazing. There's there's teams that uh, in this league that can recruit with the best of them now. Um, so it's really fun seeing, you know, seeing Oregon State and Oregon and, um, and you know, there's some guys from Utah recently mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, I shouldn't rattle them off on the spot because <laughs> I forget them, but um, top flight programs. So the, the baseball product has really transformed and I think it's only starting. I think it can get a lot better still. Um, and I mean, the fan, the, the game experience side, the fan side is, has completely, completely blown up. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, I mean, Medicine Hat and Lethbridge were, um, 
were two of the first teams in on the Alberta side, and they took over um, retired minor minor league parks. Um, so they were always good. Um, but I think uh, there was a shift starting in 2007 when uh, the Dogs opened Seaman Stadium, and that started to change the game a little bit in terms of um, – facilities and uh, the amount of fans uh, to now uh, you've seen a pretty impressive domino effect uh, through a lot of the league mm-hmm. where you know those 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 original teams have upgraded Lethbridge medicine had have overhauled what they had uh, expansion teams are now teams like Fort Mac Fort McMurray uh, with an awesome complex up there. Sylvan Lake uh, looks like an early days Okotoks right now. Um, and yeah, it, it's really cool to see the hot side. And now Saskatoon um, is doing something similar. And I think I think that's really important in, in my opinion. Um, because there's some advantages that, yeah, this league might have being the only only team in Canada and might maybe you don't have the number of scouts on your doorstep um, but there's other ways that you can entice players and be a good place uh, for players to come to and that is being one of the best game day experiences in summer baseball mm-hmm. and if it's not the already i think uh, i think the wcbl is on its way we've talked a lot about the off-field relationships whether it be bob or whether it be jerry i know you one of the the people or one of the pieces of the relationship puzzle that that you value you valued a lot over the years is the player side i feel like this is gonna be like making you pick favorite children here but do you have a favorite player or a favorite interaction that you always have whenever you see somebody from yesteryear or a guy who you just you've always admired because of the of the interactions that you've had with them over the years yeah um i'm gonna feel really bad after the show <laughs> Because I'm gonna start remembering everybody I should have mentioned. Um, there's hundreds of them, um, but oh my goodness, um, Jordan Procession is probably has to be, you know, on my Mount Rushmore. Um, you know, primarily, I mean, I mean, on the baseball side, he was, you know, one of the one of the great dogs Mm -hmm. um, for the service time he put in um, on the academy side and then coming up uh, to the big, to the big team for, I believe it was four years. uh, One of the longest serving members um, went on to, he's gone on to a really long uh, minor league career. Uh, He's represented Canada on different levels. Um, um, but also the personal connection that that uh, the two of us have, and there's there's something that I can't go into. Um, but yeah, I've I have um, a lot of a lot of uh, loyalty to him. Um, I just I remember him being called up as a I think it was as a grade ten. He got called up to the the Wimble team late in the year because I think I think we used six catchers that year and I think he was catcher number five um, and I remember his first day on the team um, I had heard that he was good but I hadn't seen him play yet because I didn't have a chance to watch academy games that much mm-hmm. um, but his first home game I, I lingered back and small talked with him and tried to get to know him a little bit. I think at that point it was kind of, he was, you know, he was trying to keep his, keep his nose down, not say too much. Cause he was the new kid. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I I had no problem hanging out with him and talking to him. Um, maybe maybe he noticed that I'm not sure. Um, but um, and then we go on a road trip. Uh, he he goes on the on the Saskatchewan road trip with us to I think that trip was Swift Current, Regina, and Whitburn, I think. Um, but he hit a home run in Regina. Um, and before the game, I had the Regina coaches coming up to me like, is this kid good? <laughs> and, <laughs> and my honest answer without, you know, you got you to gotta talk in code when you're talking to other coaches. But uh, my pregame answer was, was, yeah, we think so. <laughs> and because I I didn't know as much as the organization knew because I didn't get to watch his academy game, um, but he hits that home run and I'm like, yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's all right. Um, but and that that relationship as we both got older um, got a lot richer. Um, so it was uh, that on the dog side of things. Um, Definitely, he's one of the guys. Uh, Thomas Rodriguez is on that same level. Guy that came to us from Niagara University. Uh, team MVP, league batting champ. Uh, blows out his knee at school. Still comes back that summer because he wants to be a part of it. So he's our press box manager the next summer. Then he comes back and plays the summer after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did some really, really cool stuff personally as well. Um, yeah, th- those are those are two of many. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other on on the opposition side, a, a relationship that that's been really cool for me. I mean, I I need to yeah, I'll backtrack. I need to throw back. Brett Thomas into that mm-hmm. too. I knew I, Brett Thomas, I've known Brett since he was a sophomore in college and he, he was our, he, I don't know if he missed five games in the three years he played for us. He, he, he was catching every day and that's it. Um, so I've seen him grow from a young catcher, college kid to the academy head coach learning how to coach kids, doing really good things with the academy, bumped up to the big team, bench coach on the big team, learning that side of it, and then running uh, the big team as the head coach for a couple of years. Um, and those two years with him being the head coach, it was like, it, well, it was having a best friend as the head coach. And for a broadcaster, that's a really cool dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um I honestly like, you know, how I was, how I was talking about Jerry and Bob um, being kind of like mentors and father figures. Brett is, uh, you know, Brett's a big brother mm-hmm. to me. Um, so, yeah, that that's a dog side. And one from example from opposition is uh, Brian, Brian Arthur. Okay. was the center fielder for Medicine Hat for four years, I think. His whole college career from from UBC, he would always come back. And he killed us. He he was his best against the Dulles every single time. And he was a great <laughs> player. Like he, he was one of the league's best players. But he loved beating us. And uh, I didn't like him at first. Um, but there was always in those years, the dogs always had lots of UBC players, and Medhat always had lots of UBC players. So I would usually, when we were in Medicine Hat, I would usually go to their dugout to go get their lineup card, and there's always players milling around the dugout, and he was always one of the good, one of those guys that would be standing around, and he would, he would say hi and he would say something and then it would graduate into chirping a little bit and um as i used it the last couple of years we both kind of looked around it's like well we've both been here forever 
we've both been trying to beat each other forever, so we we might as well be friends before the game. Um, and it turned into, you know, when we would go to their place, I would I would when the dogs were hitting, I would go to the medicine hat dugout and hang out with him. Mm-hmm. And when there was UBC hitters, I won't I won't give away the details because I I don't think I should, but. <laughs> When there was friends of his who were playing for the dogs from UBC who were in the cage, we would be, um, me and Brian would be sitting on the med hat side, um, being a little bit vocal, having some fun. <laughs> um, so that that's part of that growing up process of, you know, the other team isn't the enemy. Mm-hmm. want to beat them at 7 o'clock, but um, it's a lot more fun and a lot more fulfilling um you know forming those relationships um doesn't matter who you play for and i mentioned i mentioned jason chatwood in in sullivan same type of thing Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it's stuff like that that you know i'm proud of my four championship rings Uh, i'm never gonna let anybody forget about that that's another thing that someone like me never thought i would have um so I'll never, you know, that's never far from my mind. But the things that that stick with you uh, when you're away from it is those relationships. Mm -hmm. Usually around this time, I'm asking former players what they say to a current group of young athletes who are trying to make a name for themselves, whether it's words of advice or encouragement, whatever the case may be. You mentioned the wheelchair thing earlier, and I wanted to get to that when I asked this question. Put yourself in those shoes where you get to talk to someone who might be in a wheelchair or not able to play the game but wants to be a part of it or is super passionate about the game. What would you say to them to inspire them to get involved and and to be kind of in your shoes? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, first thing that comes to mind is, you know, don't, don't, um, don't sell yourself short and don't look at, you know, try to look past the, the limitations. Um, cause yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to see the limitations. Um, but it's possible. And obviously the cliche of anything is possible. Okay. That might not be totally true. Um, and as far as playing, but there's more avenues than there's ever been, uh, for being involved in sports or whatever your chosen sport is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it, it's, and it, it's similar to anybody else. Find what you're passionate about and go after it. And, you know, talk to people. And, you know, ask, you know, ask people, you know, uh, for help. And, um, you know, it's the, there are doors there that you don't realize. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a raw, raw guy. So it's tough for me to come up with those come up with those words, you know, kind of on the spot. Um, but, you know, there's, uh, again, going back to remembering my early time with, uh, with Bob, you know, there was a lot of, you know, oh, I'm just a writer. Oh, I'm just a broadcaster. And he was one of the biggest ones that, uh, you know, would constantly remind me that no you have a place here um so yeah everybody does there's everybody has a place um and people are more than willing to to work with people to to find their to to find their avenue Um, it's it's hard you know there can be discouraging times and moments and you, you can't ignore those and pretend they they don't exist they do um yeah don't don't give up on it so well and especially given i've 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 had i've had opportunities to talk to a couple of people um with 
um, in simpler situations, and I'm always happy to, to, you know, to have a relationship and be a contact and kind of listen. And, and that, that's the way I like to try to do things is to listen to somebody else first and then and then respond after I know the person. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit challenging coming up with a, you know, on the spot um, inspirational speech, but yeah. <laughs> You did a pretty good job, I got to say. And, and and to be honest, I mean, anybody who follows Jonathan on Twitter specifically knows full well that it's his love of sport is is evident. It's not just the baseball side, but he's suddenly become a soccer fan, for example, and covering soccer on the West Coast. And uh, hockey's be- junior hockey's become a thing for him as well. So he, he's found his niche and he's found his community uh, pretty easily. And I think that those are the, the words of advice that you've given are, are pretty will will resonate with a lot of people. We'll put it that way. Uh, final question for you here, Jonathan, here on the podcast. It's one we ask everybody. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Um, yeah, pretty close to everything. Um, stuff we've um, stuff we talked about. You know, it opened it opened doors for me to find a way to have a life in sports. To work in sports and it brought me most of the most of the uh, best friends I've ever had, um, and like I, I kind of laugh about um, I kind of laugh sometimes with some people because I I you know in my personal life I I I um, go to church. And, but I, I, um, I tell people that I'm far more comfortable at the ballpark mm-hmm. or at the ranks or at the soccer field than I am you know, at church. It's sports people and for the purposes of this show, baseball people, um, those are the people I know how to talk to. Um, that's the one thing I think I'm really good at in my avenues of, of communications, whether it be writing or uh, social media, podcasting, broadcasting, all everything that communications has become in this day and age. Um, I kind of feel like, I feel like, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, uh, you'll hear, you know, someone will ask a, a major league player uh, what they would have been otherwise. And there, there's some players that say, well, this was the only thing I was really good at. Mm-hmm. And that feels like me in a way. Like, like I, I, I don't want to say I needed to find baseball, but it was definitely, it's definitely where I'm supposed to be. Um, so yeah, it's um, the, the passion you see coming through and like, like you probably heard it. Like there's, there's times when I'm talking in in this interview and interviews like this, and you're bringing up some really meaningful questions, which are, are great questions, and I I love it. But there's times when I have to slow down because <laughs> the heart on the sleeve part of me is never far from the surface. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want to. I don't want the floodgates to open up, so I have to slow down a little bit. Um, but that's, I mean, that right there, that's, 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 that's how much it's been, it's meant to me. It's, uh, it's hard not to get romantic about the game of baseball, right? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, on, if I could, on that note, um, you know, there was, and we were, we were talking before about, conversations with you know relationships with players and stuff and recently I had a player at a conversation with a guy who uh, was one of the dog's best players um, a number of years ago he went on to play a little bit of pro baseball and he's done now um, and we met up for the first time in years um, and 
I he got asking about what I've done, and I I was kind of sharing to him my story of when I kind of realized that my major league dream is probably not that realistic, and almost every player has that moment. Mm-hmm. I had that moment too, um, and I. Well, disclosure, I hated baseball for a couple of years when I realized that the major leagues, the thing, that that dream, is probably not going to happen. So I had to, re- it took me a long time to regroup um, and realize that I, I do love baseball still, and there is a way um, for me to do it that I enjoy. And part of that was the soccer and, and hockey thing is, you know, diversifying into all sports to make this sports thing work, um, you know, provide for me. Um, but it was that, that conversation with, you know, another player who played pro, got drafted, and I used to look way up to. And we're just, you know, years later, we're both old guys now, and we're both sitting around saying the same things. Yeah, I... Had to relearn how to love baseball after my dream died. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I went through that too. How on earth did I've ever seen <laughs> me being able to to relate to a, a player in that way? Mm-hmm. That that's that was yeah, that was really cool. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, it's always a pleasure getting to get a message from you on Twitter and in the inbox. Always love getting the opportunity to uh, chop it up there. But this has been something above and beyond, more meaningful and obviously more special as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your story and joining us here on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks again to Jonathan Hodgson for joining us this week. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on your app. We'd also like to take a quick moment to acknowledge our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy have been tremendous teammates, and we truly appreciate all they do to continue helping us tell this province's tales of baseball. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.